You guys go ahead and have a seat. You ever say a prayer and you think God's up there just like, absolutely not. Try again. I, I think he has done that to me many, many times. One of them was when I was praying for someone named Park. Not, not Parker, right? That's respectful. No, 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 Park. Just Park. And Park was causing me deep emotional distress. I was angry because I grew up in a Christian household. You know, you're supposed to pray for your enemies. So this is how I prayed for Park. God, would you take Park? Would you put him in a cage? Would you put the cage in the ocean? And would you make sharks come by and eat him alive? Like, that is exactly what I prayed. I was a four-year-old with big feelings, okay? Uh, but man, do you want to know what Park did to deserve that prayer? His soccer team was beating my soccer team. Like, that was all it took for me to, like, to wish a horrible death on this guy. Is his soccer team was better than mine. I had a very unhealthy need for success and continue to have an often unhealthy need for success. See, it's not just like sports as a kid, uh, sports as an adult, but also it was board games growing up. Um, a direct quote from my parents is that I expressed horrible, uncontrollable rage when I lost chutes and ladders as a child. Like this game with no skill, where you get no credit for winning or losing, is like a Hulk with no muscles, just like prancing around, angry. Uh, and that, that's continued, but it started to look a little different as I got older, right? Because you can't just throw a tantrum in the middle of a math class, but you can still find an unhealthy desire to succeed in a math class. I remember in calculus, I could get a 99 on a test and be very frustrated because my friend Shuzu Shao got a 100. So because she got a 100 and I got one point lower, man, I felt like a failure. But I could get an 80 in a different class. I could get an 80 in like pottery, okay? But if it was the highest grade in the class, then I felt good about myself. Because it wasn't about what the grade was. It wasn't about learning. It wasn't about growing. It was about being better than other people. Like that was what I wanted. I just wanted to be better. Because if I was better, then I would have been successful. Like that need for success has been just a very common theme throughout my life. Um, it started to explain a little bit when I was in counseling. We're learning about something called the Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram 3, and time out, because one of three things has just happened. Either you are way too into the Enneagram, and so you're like really excited for this part, and you need to calm down, okay? Uh, or you're really over it. That's fair. Just bear with me. Or maybe most of you are saying, okay, we don't care. What's an angiogram? And that's fine. Uh, an Enneagram is a personality test that is based around your core fear in life. And that's one that's been really helpful to me because it identified accurately that my core fear in life is not being successful. That can look like a lot of different things, but that is my core fear. It's always been that way since I was a little kid, even to now as an adult. And maybe that's clicking with you. And maybe it's not. And if it's not, maybe it's just because we're thinking about success differently. So let's get on the same page with what success is. We're starting with what success is not it's not a euphemism for rich. Like sometimes when I hear success, it's like that's a successful businessman or that's a successful businesswoman. And they don't mean they're really good at leading a board meeting. It's like, no, they got a lot of money. That's just a really polite way to say it. That's not success. Success also isn't wrong. It's not wrong to be successful. I think success often follows excellence and excellence honors God and inspires others. So success can be a really good thing. And it's also not static. Like, success isn't something that is always going to be in the same place at the same time. Instead, it's elusive. Success is a moving target. 
All right? Here's our definition for success. It's coming from a dictionary. Success is the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose. Different definition for it. I wanted to use a real bow and arrow. Adam said, absolutely not. Try again. So here we are. Today's message brought to you by Zing Sports Off-Brand Nerf. Success is hitting what you aim at. I am successful. Thank you. Uh, That was my target. That's what I was aiming at. I hit it. Therefore, I am successful. Now, success often isn't an archery target. Success often is found in those things right below that archery target. We can find our success through work, through money, through love, through family, through a different combination of those. Your view of success is as unique as you are. So wherever you naturally find success, whether that's work, money, love, family, something that's not up on that sign, that's where we can find our version of success. But success is a moving target. And as it moves, it can drag our hearts all over the place. Like We can feel incredible when we hit what we aim at. Now, maybe that's a sales quote at work. But maybe it has nothing to do with work. Maybe it has to do with love. Maybe like you ask someone out and they say yes, and so that's success, and so you're just on cloud nine. Or maybe maybe it's work. Maybe it's meeting that sales goal, but then after you meet it, it's like, okay, what, what next? Success can even bring a feeling of emptiness. And that's when we get it. And when we don't, and we can feel worthless. I have felt worthless when I missed what I aimed at. Maybe you have too. It's really important that we figure out the right way to pursue success because it plays a big role in our life. It shapes our priorities, our energy, our time, our money, and even how we feel. And I think Jesus can help with that. I think Jesus provides a better way to look at success. And we actually can learn about it through a man named Paul. So who's Paul? Where are we going with this? We're in our series Pursuit. We're studying through the book of Philippians, and we're talking about how we can pursue a lot of things in a way that honors God. And Paul is someone who was successful. He had an original view of success, God changed it for him, and then he had a second view of success, and he was good at both. So much so that we're talking about him now thousands of years later. This is somebody who had a very significant impact on world history. Paul is somebody who is successful in most definitions of the word. And so I think there's a lot we can learn from him. But here's the first step to pursuing success. It's to rip up your resume. All right, that's that's step one. It's rip up your resume. What's a resume? A resume is a sheet of lies about things that you may or may not be able to do that you give to an employer who got their job through an equally truthful piece of paper. All right? That's a resume. Um, That's one resume. Now, another resume, maybe a little more accurately, is this is a sheet of paper with your accomplishments that you are trying to use to persuade someone else that you will be successful. Man, you want to be a successful hire? They want you to be a successful hire? A resume is part of how you convince them you will be successful. And Paul had a resume. We get it in Philippians chapter 3. Here's Paul's resume. We put no confidence in human effort through human resumes, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason or confidence in their own efforts, and if anyone else has a resume, I've got an even better one. I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Weird flex. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one, and he's proud of where he comes from. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to Jewish law, and that was his job but also his religious status. I I was so zealous, I was so passionate that I harshly persecuted the church. 
And as for righteousness, man, I obeyed the law without fault. I was good at religion too. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. So Paul gives his resume, and then he rips it up. All right, Paul's resume is like, hey, I had this job. It was a social status. that had economic benefits. I was passionate about it. I was good at it. I had all these things, but I now consider it worthless because of what Jesus has done and that what Jesus has done is better. So Paul has this resume and he rips it up. But he was successful. He was hitting what he aimed at. What about you? Like, let's actually take a second and think this through. What's your resume? Is it work? Is it maybe having a job that you love? Maybe it's that you were always the person who got promoted. Maybe you just know that you're good at your job and you find value in being good at it. Maybe it's knowing that everyone at work likes you. But we can take work. We can make that our view of success. We can hit it. And then we can feel good about ourselves. Or we can feel bad when we miss. Maybe it's money, right? Maybe that's where you find success. Maybe you've worked hard and you've saved and you have a safety blanket because you've sacrificed and you've scraped and you have money. Or maybe it's your skill with money. Maybe it's how you've invested, right? Maybe you've done well in the stock market. Maybe it's that you're the first person in your family to own a house. Like, we can find success in money. Or maybe it's love, right? Like, maybe you are married to your best friend. That's awesome. Or maybe you have found the love of your life, and you can't wait to meet them on Tuesday. That's funny. You can laugh, okay? Some people are like that. Maybe, maybe it's family, Like, maybe you are the family that made it to church 15 minutes early, stopped for coffee, no spills on the way, no kids in arguments, they're all dressed up. I don't think that family exists, but it could be, it could be you. Maybe it's work, maybe it's money, maybe it's love, maybe it's family. But we all have a combination of those and other desires that we have created in our minds as our definition of success. And however you define success is often how you shape your resume, Like, what would go on your resume? What are the things you are most proud of? And it's not wrong to have these things. Is it your skill at work? Is it what you've done with your money? Is it the love that you've found or built? Is it the family that you've cultivated and led or grown? Like, what's your resume? Our resume is often good things. Put it in your mind. Man, I had a resume that I was very, very proud of. At one point in time in my life, And I think about it. I had a job that I was good at. Like, on paper, my metrics were off the charts. I was good at this job. Uh, My money could always have been better. I was never rich, but I was in a very financially healthy, stable place. I was wise and skillful with my money. I saved. I gave. I spent some. Money was really good for me. I was married. I thought things were going great there. We were actually about to start a marriage class to teach. And then I grew up in the best family I've ever known. Incredible dad, incredible mom. Like, my life had always been up and to the right. And however I had defined success, I hit it. Like, success after success, with job, with family, moving across the country, getting to speak, everything was great. Until it wasn't. Because that resume got ripped up. And I can't tell you that I ripped it up out of obedience to God. It got ripped up for me. Because all of those things that I had put as my resume, gone. Like work, that job I was so good at, I lost that job. Money, revisit in a second. 
love. Man, like, I thought everything was going great. My ex-spouse had been having an affair for over a year. I had no idea. Family? Man, my family was in Texas, 15 hours away from me. And then money, I mean, divorce is expensive, so that went down the drain, too. Uh, Like, every area of that that I had put confidence in as my resume, right? No. See, success is a moving target. So even when we think we are successful, when we think we found it, we are consistently hitting what we aim at, and that can change. And the point of none of that, it's not like, oh, poor Reed, or like, man, a bad boss or bad access. No, that's not the point. The point is that we can often have this view of success that we are consistently hitting, but what do you do when you can't? Or what do you do when it changes? Now, my advice, my thought, I think we get it from Paul, is we rip up our resume. And not rip it up so no one else does for you. Rip it up because success is always a moving target. And this is a better and wiser way to approach it. What does it mean to rip up your resume? It means to refuse to find your worth or your value in what you can accomplish. Whether that's with work, with money, with love, with family. Instead of saying, this is why I have value. This is why I have purpose. Because of what I can do or what I've done. Saying, no, hey, there's a better way to approach this. We actually get it from Jesus. And so that's that next step. First is rip up your resume and then redefine success as enjoying life with Jesus. Success is a moving target, but our definition can change as well. And so that's my encouragement today is let's redefine success. Success does not have to be work, money, love, or family. There's, there's another option. And it still impacts how we approach work, money, love, and family. We can redefine success. Success is hitting what you aim at, right? Paul redefines success in Philippians 3, starting in verse 8. All of his resume, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted all his garbage, all that resume. He ripped it up so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Paul has a new version of success. It's a new target he's aiming at. No, no, hey, I just want to know Jesus. I want to enjoy life with Jesus. What does that mean? It's kind of abstract, but it's a new way of approaching and looking at life. You're still going after work, money, love, family, and whatever else you would have naturally put on your resume. But it's with a change in purpose and a change in priority. Saying that the ultimate goal in life is to enjoy it with Jesus. Instead of trying to use other things to fill a gap in your heart, it's letting Jesus fill that gap in your heart and then approaching those other things with a new perspective. I believe that Jesus, like knowing him and having a personal relationship with him, is sweeter. Like, I think that's just the right word for it. It's, it's sweeter than anything that you can get. And these are good things. These are often gifts from God. And God himself is still sweeter than anything he gives us or that we can find on our own. I think that Jesus is wiser than any principle that we can learn or discover through research or study. And I think that there's just a depth of purpose and fulfillment that comes, a deeper level of satisfaction and peace that comes when we enjoy life with Jesus instead of just trying to get these things from Jesus or from the world around us. 
And we still approach those same things. We still go after them. It just looks different. I mentioned earlier that I, I love sports. I love competition. I, I love the thrill of honestly just doing your best, win or lose, against other people. Like, I love competition. And even better than competition is some of the things that can come from enjoying life with Jesus. Like, I love volleyball. Uh, I'm somewhat good at it. It's very fun for me. I love to compete. And I've got friends that I play with, at least for a season of my life, I was playing three to four nights a week for a year with this group of people at a competitive level and really enjoying it. Um, It's fun. So life can be fun. But enjoying life with Jesus brings a depth of purpose and fulfillment. And I got to experience that when I was having dinner with my friend Chris. So we played volleyball for over a year together. We'd gone out to eat a couple of times, and he was moving away to another state. And so we were talking, and we were hanging out, and we were saying goodbye. And I said, Reed, you know, man, I'm really glad for the friendship we've built. I think about God and Christians differently because of you. Uh, when, when we met, I didn't think we could get along because you're a pastor, and we disagree about pretty much anything with God or politics or just like anything. We disagree. And you know what? He and I still do. And we've talked about those things. But he said, but it changed, because I don't know that I believe any of the things you believe. But I know that if I have a question about God, I want to talk to you. And we, we've talked about God, and we've talked about faith. He said, and if I ever have any questions about God in the future, man, I know who I'm going to call. And, like, we cried a little bit when we hugged and said goodbye. Like, there was a depth of purpose that came through something just as superficial and fun as volleyball when we approach life with Jesus. The goal is not just to compete to win to have fun. It's, hey, yeah, I want to compete, I want to win, I want to have fun, and, man, how can I honor Jesus in these relationships? And that transforms everything else, too. Right? Enjoying life with Jesus changed how we approach work. It's no longer, man, I need to be the best at my job, or my value comes from being the most skilled worker, the most promoted, fill in the blank. No, no, no. We still want to work hard. We want to work hard with excellence. But we want to do it because we're ultimately working as a reflection of our love for God. Colossians 3.23 says that we're supposed to work for God, not for men. So even if your boss is a jerk, and like 50% of them probably are, okay. I mean, you can still find satisfaction and value in your work because your goal is to honor God and how you do it. Or with money, it's not, hey, how much money can I get? Whether that's to buy happiness or it's to buy security or fill in the blank. No, no. Money's amoral. It's not wrong. Man, you can still approach money. You can still work hard and accumulate it. But now the, the goal is different. It's not, I need this so I own it. It's, hey, how can I be a steward of this? How can I honor God with this money? How can I save? How can I give? How can I spend it wisely? How can I make a difference with this? Changes how we view love. I think it's very easy for us to naturally view love as this thing we want to get from someone. And Jesus actually teaches a different way to approach love. It's, hey, what can you give? Can you honor and pursue someone in a way that they know that I love them because of how you treat them? It changes how we view family. And guys, this one's harder because right now when I look at my life, that last one's it's harder. Like my family's back in Texas. Uh, I live by myself. And as I think about the family that I want, it's so easy to picture. And it's easy to picture coming home to like happiness and laughter and little feet running around. Like that's so easy to picture. And as good as that is and as sweet as that could be, what's even sweeter and what's even better is knowing that, hey, but also you could take a family and you could raise a family that's not just about happiness or comfort. What's a family that chases after God going to look like? It changes all of those. It changes work. It changes money. It changes love. It changes family. 
the reality is we can enjoy life with Jesus no matter whether or not you felt successful. Like maybe you had a view of your life where you were hitting what you aimed at and you felt good. Or maybe you've had a life where you've always had this view of success and you've never been able to hit it. Either way, success is a moving target and it changes. Whether you have felt successful or not in life, and Jesus still provides opportunities for us to win. Because it changes. Like, how we view work, money, love, family, all of those things, we can still win. Like, we can experience success by approaching our work, our finances, romance, and families in a way that honors Jesus. It says, the ultimate goal of whatever I do is to enjoy life with Jesus. Success is elusive. Success is a moving target. But here's where it switches. Because while success is always a moving target, Jesus is moving towards us. He loves you. He values you. He cares about you. He cares about your heart. And so he comes towards you. When we're willing to acknowledge and turn to him, like Jesus comes towards us. So much so that we can just walk right up. And we can hit every single time. Like when we redefine life, as in, when we redefine success as enjoying life with Jesus, like we can hit the target every single time because he wants that for us and he wants that with us. We don't have to do it on our own. Let's pray. God, you are better than any version of success that we can create and go after on our own. Through work, through finances, through love, through family. However we're wired, however we chase success, you provide something better. So we want to say thank you and we also want to ask for help. Would you help realign our hearts with yours so that we are chasing after you? Not the things you provide, but we're chasing after you in every aspect of our life. That what we enjoy most is you. Would you help us to do that? Because that's not easy. That's what we're asking for. So right now as we're preparing to worship through song, would you help us to even enjoy worship through song with you? That what we're singing isn't just words on a screen, but that we're actually praying to you as we sing out loud that we're choosing to worship with you as we're worshiping you. We love you and we trust you. You are better than anything you provide. Amen.